Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Gentlemen, this Damn. is... hey. A slightly misleadingly titled podcast. I haven't included the title Federation in the podcast because that will severely negatively <laughs> impact our stats. And so I'm going to title it something to the effect of like origin story of Australia. Hmm. This will then prompt the obvious retort of what about the 40 to 60,000 years of history that's the true origin of Australia. We're talking about the origin of Australia as the modern nation that it is today, not the land Australia hmm. that's obviously yeah been inhabited for a long period of time i find people often do that as like a snarky retort that doesn't actually try and achieve anything like we know that hmm. yeah we, yeah <laughs> and we will cover indigenous history too hmm. we're not saying that that doesn't exist doesn't by saying it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's no, a pretty it key happens. difference never. in you know like history really changes from the the point that the the colonists arrive you know and that's fair to consider how that changed australia as well yes. as what happened before australia and as we know it mm. yes and considering i know we haven't discussed this but we might be doing for our patreon special the four different houses of primary school that are all named after colonists as well mm. Mm. yeah yeah we i think this would be a fitting topic to talk about do you have any recollection of federation as long as i want to kind of challenge the popular conception okay. of federation here. Okay. do you have any memory of federation from school January 1, 1901. Mm. To be honest, I kind of wish they'd picked a more exciting day, to be honest. I guess it's kind of nice as well, but I mean, it would be nice that it was like, I don't know, the 16th of April. November. Like, well, that's it. <laughs> yeah. New year, new me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like I remember a photo of a big parade. And then I'm sure someone had to sign a document. <laughs> so, I, it was like a, a transfer announcement. <laughs> hold up, hold up yeah. the jersey. Yeah. <laughs> My history. Hold up the flag. Teacher in year nine. Australia to the British Empire. Here we go. Bath back. My year nine history teacher basically said to us, he was like, look, guys, full disclosure, 
this is pretty boring. I promise I'll make it about Hitler really soon. <laughs> <laughs> he just is that like like yeah. just started reading history? Like when does Hitler arrive? Kind of <laughs> <laughs> it was um, it was quite a funny character. Is that Cotzellus? No, oh. uh, I won't say who it is because okay. it, it is my friend's dad. Okay. I mean, that can probably help you piece together who it is. <laughs> I only became friends with his son after <laughs> I was in his history class. Hmm. He was very hit and miss. So, like, some lessons was just spitting absolute fire, and then other lessons he seemed to dislike a lot of people. Oh, I, I know who it is. I never got on his bad side, so he always loved me. Yeah. I can't remember He's, why. He saw something in you. No, no, I, well, that, I, actually, that the, passion for history. The one reason why is he coached the not the like the good soccer team, the mm-hmm. Thursday grade sports soccer team, which was like, yeah, yeah. that's. It's it's get the wheelie bins out for goals. There's really not Mm. much. Anyway, there was one moment where the ref had given us a throw in. I'd hit the ball out. I did the thing of like, ah, ref, that was actually off of me. (laughs) That forever. Top 10 respect man in football. That gave me near immunity for anything else with that teacher. Because Cam's a man of good character. Yeah, literally, he would like, he like shook my hand afterwards and was like, Matt, you proudly represented the school then. Um, I was far from the best player in the team. I would have kind of probably put myself at like number six or seven in that team of who was the best. I won best and fairest at the end because he really put all the emphasis on the fairest. Hey. And he gave me basically near immunity in that class. I like that. I like mm. that. <laughs> and then I became friends with his son a little bit later yeah, down yeah. the track. Do you find that has a similar effect as you teach? You know, do you see a student have a mad respect moment? <laughs> you just latch on. <laughs> he's going places, that boy. I mean, kind of like it, yeah. yeah, like if, if I was to give best and fair, like I, I'd coach my school's soccer team. If I'd give a best, we don't have a best and fairest ball. But if I were to give one, mm. it would not be the person that kind of flexes the most mm. amount of skill it would be gives that yeah someone who's a team player line. And I had him for year 7 history do you remember watching Jurassic Park no we watched Jurassic Park <laughs> historical source <laughs> you know? he put on for us I he put on, he was like I don't know talking about this could happen like <laughs> for us he put on a rap about the Cherokee people like it was like 2011 or whatever mm. like probably someone that had like maybe 370 views or whatever. <laughs> Just I some like guy it. giving a rap about the Cherokee people in America. Mm. I want to challenge the conception that Federation is boring. Mm. I think it's basically the best season of Survivor ever. Wow. Better than Survivor All Stars. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a rubbish season. <laughs> it was, it had a, an awesome opening with the David Matt Rogers. Yeah. We watched it while we were in Spain. Yeah. And then it pretty much flopped after that. David just had everyone under his thumb. Oh, an impressive uh, performance from Dave. A very impressive though. performance. Not good for entertainment, though, because yeah. he was leagues above everyone else. Yeah. Barton wasn't leagues above everyone else <laughs> on the negotiating table. Edmund. 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 Do you Sir Edmund, if yes. you will. Should say. Do you remember in, like, year six, like, the, when you do the kind of civics politics topic in year six there's like the list of prime ministers on the uh, the wall yeah Mm. and number one was edmund barton yeah did you ever have to get did you ever like for a research project draw a prime minister out of the hat because conveniently at that point there were around about 30 prime ministers that we'd had Mm. or something to that effect Mm. and there are 30 people in class everyone drew a prime minister and had to do a research task on a prime minister that sounds yeah that sounds familiar um 
I feel like I definitely researched Ben Chifley at some point, but I don't know if that was because yeah, of... That, <laughs> I drew that out, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm Ben and Sophie. So. Um, ben, correct me if I'm wrong. Did we not have descendants of Sir Edmund Barden in attendance with us at Barney Bay? And then um, perhaps even they might have gone on to the, the private school institution that you attended. Ah, that guy. Bardens. Were they really? There you go. Wait, we, we can't confirm that. <laughs> they do share a surname. I can't, I can't fault the logic there. I'm pretty there. sure they claim that. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Look where they came. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I got Keating and I was happy that I got someone fresh. Mm. And my mate, Josh, not the Josh, the frequently fresh on the pod. Yeah. He got Edmund Barton and he was filthy that he got the, the one. He was like, I've been stitched up here. <laughs> this is so boring. It's no. a black and white guy. I want a color guy. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, Edmund Barden, what state would you guess that he's from? New South Wales. Correct. Yeah. Now, there's a reason why, like, there's a there's a link there in that basically New South Wales claims superiority. He, he would have been. Was he born in England? I assume so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure he's born in. I think Robert Menzies was the first prime minister that had two Australian parents, so to speak. I see. So I think for a long while there. I can't remember who the first one was that was born in Australia, mm. but we've got a Welsh, we've got a Scot, we've got a, an Englishman. I'm pretty sure Barton was born in England. Mm. And so Barton represented New South Wales. Kind of same thing with like Cricket Australia in that New South Wales has superiority and that's going to influence Federation down the track. Now, he becomes a member of the New South Wales Parliament in 1880. So he's got a bit of, bit of prior history. Interestingly... He doesn't participate too much as an active member of parliament in the beginning. He's there as the Speaker of the House. Mr. Speaker. That's him. The guy, yeah, as we discussed on the Gillard pod, Hmm. the guy that basically just adjudicates the debate. Now, there's two main parties in Australia. What were they? What were they? Are they the same as what they are now? No. I've set you up for failure here. (laughs) Was Was one of them called like the Workers' Party? No. Na- uh, national? Was someone uh, national in the name? Yeah. So the, the Liberal Party goes through like six different rebrands. Mm. Yeah. Like the Nationalist Party was one of them. Um, if we go back even earlier, there is no Liberal. Like Liberal Party doesn't exist at this point. It's the free traders and the protectionists. Oh, I was going to mm. say trade. Yeah. So they're, they're the two main parties. And then the kind of equivalent, like maybe a slightly more powerful version of the Greens in say today's parliamentary system was labor so labor is kind of they're, they're very much the bronze medal the free traders are used to being the gold medal and the protectionists are the silver medal occasionally the protectionists get in but usually it's mostly free traders that are dominating new south wales parliament hmm. the main difference between free traders and protectionists is the free traders don't want tariffs on any imports coming in because that helps their businesses out a lot if they're not paying extra for you know japanese silk Whereas the protectionists wanted to protect Australian industry by tariffing wool from New Zealand, for example, hmm. or yeah, or any other country, so that you know sheep farmers in New South Wales could have their industry protected. Those are the three parties that we need to know for federation: free traders, protectionists, Labor. Barton was a protectionist. Hmm. I'm going to flip the coin to the free traders. Did you learn about Henry Parks at all in school? Mm. Sir Henry Parks. Sir Henry Parks. <laughs> I mean, is it disrespectful maybe. not to say sir? 
Or it doesn't matter. Nah, it doesn't well, matter. I mean, we I abolished care. knighthoods in the 70s. That is true. So I'm yeah. just... <laughs> Wait, what do you mean we abolished them? You can't but Gough Whitlam got rid of... Tony Abbott wanted to bring it back. Yeah. But Gough Whitlam got rid of... Let go of that dream, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? So Australians just can't get knighted? We can't get knighted. Yeah, right. Get a... A- What's it all I mean, for then? A- <laughs> What's the point of going on? <laughs> Do you remember David Beckham's texts? Yes. When, so literally like... That's so, a bit crazy though. They've, prob- they've surely given knighthoods to... Doesn't Gareth Southgate have one now? Does he? Mm. So Gareth. Surely not. Maybe just an MBE or something. You've got to yeah. win something. Um, but I yeah, no, so. David Beckham had his like text or email one of them leaked yeah, yeah. maybe 2020 2021 sometime around then mm. yeah. where basically he was just blowing up that he hadn't been given a knighthood yet and kind of like what's all this charity work for <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so, you know when, when he does we, a lot of he did yeah, he did a lot of charity work at one point um and was kind of uh, i don't know i he's public about it but like fair play he did it <laughs> and, um, you can see obviously but yeah, I don't know if that was like tongue in cheek but, but probably like no I feel a bit stitched up that I yeah. haven't got one <laughs> so because then he went on and took like the 200 mil to ambassador for Qatar or something didn't he so yeah so obviously he'd given up on the dream then but he waited in line <laughs> to see the queen and the queen passed oh, away mad respect yeah and again it's kind of like oh is this a last ditch effort no to- he's a big he's a big royalist sorry. yeah mm-hmm. yeah but Anyway. Good guy, no doubt. Good guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like Beck, so I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm, I like his hair. So, so yeah. So Edmund Barton, I'm assuming, was was what he eventually went by. Yeah. And Sir Henry Parks, to come full circle, he gave something called the Tenerfield Speech, which was this great dream for Australian Federation. The town of Parks, surely named after him. I believe so. Hmm. It would make, although for someone who was as influential as Henry Parks, no disrespect to Parks the town. You got that satellite dish movie made about you. <laughs> like, have you seen that movie? The Dish. Yeah, yeah, good movie. It is a good movie. Yeah. It's got Sam Neill in it. <laughs> Jurassic Park and the guy who plays um Joe from Family Guy. Really? Yeah. There's in the guy that's in Seinfeld as well. Like a Peter. Yeah. Like Joe Swanson's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. I forget who he plays, but he plays someone. Wow. Like in the the American. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, in that case, no, no, Henry Parks, and, he gets what he deserves. That is a <laughs> <laughs> so he gives the Tenerfield speech, which is basically this dream for the states to federate to make, you know, a super powerful country. And a lot of the debate at the time is kind of like Brexit versus non Brexit, except it's in reverse. It's like, let's form a country versus let's stay as is. And so. To, you've got your most of the key premiers are merge and they're like yep let's federate but you have your brexiteers that are also really popular at the time as well and they're kind of commanding yeah let's get out of the federation let's remain as is and let's protect um our kind of existing status quo as colonies now as they were moving towards federation they needed their good lawyers to step in and to draft a constitution. Mm. That's where Barton came in. And Barton was like, boys, this is my, this is my area of expertise. And so more or less throughout the 1890s, Barton is helping draft a constitution for what an independent federated Australia would look like. And I should also add as well. So there was labor protectionists and free traders 
typically Labor sided with the free trade with the sorry, typically Labor sided with the protectionists. And that makes sense, right? Because tariffs protect mm. the jobs of people in the sheep industry and that sort of stuff. So as they moved towards federation, there were two states that held up the whole process. Tasmania, of course, mm. and South Australia. Now, the thing that they held up the whole process over was the Senate because the Senate actually dilutes democracy a little bit and that's more of, of a republic model than a democratic model because most people live in New South Wales and Victoria and so a Senate, which would give the states pre- equal representation in the Senate, would actually make the South Australian vote and the Tasmanian vote a lot stronger. So Tasmania and South Australia, they wanted the constitution to allow for a really strong Senate because that would give them more power if, they, mm-hmm. if you follow the logic there. Yep. Checks out. Because in the House, house is, the House is divided according to your population. The Senate is not. Same number of seats for, for the states. And so Tasmania and South Australia wanted basically an OP Senate that could block anything down. Mm. New South Wales and Victoria were like, no, like we're not having that. And basically they're like, we'll federate without you. And then you're kind of stuck on your own. I kind of came to a compromise. The Senate can block anything except financial bills. Eventually that would get changed because Gough Whitlam couldn't pass supply and that was the whole debacle. But initially the constitution the, the constitution didn't allow for the Senate to block financial bills. So we get to the referendum. Vote yes or vote no. And each state had to have their own referendum to vote in. Mm. Henry Parks is gone by this point. He steps down and he resigns. Another guy replaces him, George Reid. So George Reid is the new leader of the Free Trade Party. And George Reid, basically, he's he's pro-federation. And he says to Edmund Barden, if we're going to federate, we need to have a majority, which obviously that's kind of how referendums work. But he's like... The majority would be around about 68,000 votes. That would secure you a majority in New South Wales. You need to get 80,000. Gentlemen's deal, let's do it. 80,000. And so they go to the vote. Yes wins. So 71.5,000 vote yes, but 66,000 vote no. So yes does Mm. win, but it's not enough to get over the 80,000 threshold. Now, how 1800s is this? Barden is really triggered by this. And so Barden (laughs) resigns. He's like, mate, you've just stabbed us in the back. Why would you make it significantly harder to make New South Wales part of this new Australia? Mm. So Barden resigns from his seat. He then goes and at the next election challenges for Reid's seat in central Sydney and basically more or less challenges him to a duel and is like, you versus me, we're going to compete in the same seat and whoever like basically tries to knock George Reid out of parliament directly. Mm. Pretty boss move. Yeah. Like, could you imagine, I don't know, say Dunn wins the next election, Albo resigns, goes and challenges him and Dixon and the two. Like, it's just hilarious. That's, that's cinema. That that's, is. Barton <laughs> loses. It doesn't work. Oh. <laughs> and so oh, then, we had fun. <laughs> so, then he's with, so now he's without a job. And so the protectionists get rid of some poor backbencher to get Barton into a, like another oh. seat. <laughs> so this poor guy. <laughs> just collateral. He's just, yeah. It's like when a player is getting ready to get subbed on and then yeah. another player gets red carded and they have to cancel the substitution and the guy's just left there like, bro, what's going on? 
So eventually they order a revote and everyone votes in this one and the numbers go up for both sides. 101, sorry, I should say again, 107,000 vote yes, 83,000 vote no. And so that's enough to kind of get the deal over the line. And yes is true. Was it non-compulsory? Like the first one was non-compulsory. Yeah, right. But the next one is compulsory and they kind of get the, the kind of statistical data thereafter. Hmm. So kind of make the story a little bit more interesting. So you've got George Reid, leader of the Free Traders, the Premier of New South Wales. You have Edmund Barton, leader of the Protectionist Party and opposition leader. Barton is not a very good opposition leader. He challenged Reid. He, like, again, he challenged, He dueled him for his seat. He mm. lost. Doesn't seem like very good at this stage. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he everything, did. he's not, like, he seems raided by his party, but no one else seems to raid him. <laughs> <laughs> one day he'll come good. One day. <laughs> it's like when Cairn Green finally scored his century in India. Oh, uh, yes. Finally put the critics to, <laughs> to bed. He did write the Constitution. Have you like this? Cam Green did. <laughs> Something of an achievement. Yep. So Barton is the opposition. He was not very good. So the protectionists get rid of him and they put in another guy called William Lyon. So now it's William Lyon, opposition leader, George Reid, Premier. Billy. Billy. William Lyon was a Brexiteer. He did not want federation. Hmm. He was like... Stay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the <Ari>. um, <laughs> Stay means stay. <laughs> and so what William Lyon did, because he was a good opposition leader, was Lyon basically went to Labour and was like, look, you historically have supported the protectionists, currently supporting the free traders and you're supporting George Reid. Come over to the dark side and make the protectionists the government. And give us the numbers. And so Labor go and flip their vote from the free traders to the protectionists and kind of return to what they historically have done. And they side with the protectionists, which give them government. Which means now the Premier of New South Wales is not George Reid, it's William Lyon. Mm. The reason why I'm telling you this, it might seem like just a like, merry-go-round for the Premiers. The reason why I'm telling you this is that the deal was that the Premier of New South Wales becomes the Prime Minister. It's a good mm. deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A senior state is like, we, we, we were here first, so yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. Give it to someone from Western Australia? Yeah, good yeah. joke. <laughs> but William Lyon is not in favour of being prime. He's, he's anti-federation. Mm. It's like putting Nigel Farage as the like head of the EU. <laughs> and so a <laughs> bit of an awkward situation there as the guy who wasn't in favour of the referendum or wasn't in favour of federation is now the Premier of New South Wales and is in line to be the Prime Minister come 1901. What has to happen is to get federation over the line, Britain needs to sign off on it. And so a delegation goes over to Britain. So Barton, Lyon, like pretty much... The boys. Yeah. <laughs> the A-team goes over to Britain to kind of sort it out. And they just kind of kind of do some final details. Like, do you have a British court that's the highest court in the land? Do you have an Australian high court that's the highest court in the land? Who has the right to interpret the constitution? Because Australia has inherited British court decisions from, you know, 16, 1700, whatever. Mm. And so as Lyon's over there, Lyon's like, hey, you know what? This Prime Minister gig's not bad. <laughs> this is looking like a pretty good job. Like, yeah, you've got a, got a lot of power here. Way more powerful than a Premier. And Lyon's like, you know what? I'm kind of liking this. And 
the issue was before Lyon went overseas, Lyon said, no, 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 Barton, you can be the Prime Minister. I don't want it. I'll stay mm. on as Premier. You can be the Prime Minister. Someone's got to be Premier still. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but now that he's gone overseas, he's like, man, this Prime Minister thing sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And so he's like, you know what? I think I'll be the Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> and Barton's like, no, 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 no. What the <laughs> Come on, that is not cool. And so eventually to kind of, again, this is what I mean about best season of Survivor. If you follow the story here, Barton then goes to George Reid, the rival party, mm. and they're like, we need to take down Lion. <laughs> and so now there's a new alliance. And so basically George Reid and Edmund Barton talk every other premier in like Australia to not serve in Lion's cabinet. So if Lion becomes the prime minister, he doesn't get any of the A-team in his cabinet. He's got to pick nobodies from the back bench. He pretty much pick... New South Wales A rather than New South Wales. <laughs> and Lyon steps down and he relents. He backs down. Edmund Barton becomes the Prime Minister. Wow. Again, I listened... I was listening to... The, the podcast is called The Rest is History. It's the biggest history podcast in the world. Like, they chart number one. They did an Edmund Barton podcast. Oh, I was mm. like, wow. Okay, here we go. Let's listen to it. <laughs> and they spend like about five minutes... On Edmund Barton, and they're basically like, oh, yeah, Australia is really stable. That's a good thing. Barton didn't do much. Anyway, on to the next one, Robert Menzies. There's like Mm. 12 prime ministers in between. (laughs) (laughs) And so there's this kind of conception that Barton was this boring guy that came in and things were pretty smooth sailing from the beginning. But it was a wild journey to actually get Mm. to the prime minister's office. Edmund Barton, the new PM, two main policies that he passes. I think you can guess one of them. Historically huge Australian policies from the early 1900s. Superannuation. (laughs) (laughs) It has Australia policy in the name. White Australia policy. The white Australia policy. Really? Oh, wow. So. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, context is. Damn, we were having fun up until this. (laughs) No, well, I think context is important. I think Mm. we need to understand the white Australia policy in its context. It was it an act of racial discrimination? Yes, particularly targeted towards the Chinese. So, again, if geographically, in terms of westernised nations that are close to Asia, we, we were the closest at the time. India was kind of partially westernised because of, because of British influence, but certainly nothing like Australia. And so there was this great fear of Asian immigration coming into Australia. That much is 100% true. It is also designed to protect workers and it's a labor protection policy the reason why labor was so supportive of this was it was designed to protect workers we when we did the solomon islands podcast we spoke about how queensland used pacific islanders effectively as slave labor to grow sugar this was also designed to stop that practice so you actually by preferring preferencing white immigration you're ensuring that that slave practice in Queensland is kind of phased out. And so there's certainly that element of the white Australia policy as well. And it's designed to protect white Queensland farmers that were basically taken out of their job by free slave labor from the Pacific islands. Hmm. Is it racist? Yes. Is it designed to help tackle the issue of slavery in Australia? Partially. Um, And is it designed to protect white workers? Absolutely. And so the white Australia policy was interesting because the biggest opponents of the white Australia policy were Britain. Oh. Yeah, you wouldn't mm. think that. Because Britain, 
Britain's empire had expanded into Africa and Asia and included India. And the British actually saw Australia as a solution for Indian immigration. So Britain was pretty annoyed with it. As in because too many people from India were migrating to like the UK and so they wanted to send them to Australia. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And they wanted to have basically just kind of free passage and free freedom of movement across the British Empire. Yeah. And Australia doing its own thing kind of dilutes that a little bit. So Britain actually negotiate with Barton and they reach a compromise. The original deal was the White Australia policy would require a 50-word English dictation test to come into Australia. So basically, sit down, give me 50 words in English. Hmm. And like that, <laughs> like, cow, <laughs> yellow. <laughs> they changed it so that it could be any European language. And mm-hmm. they kind of okay. reached a compromise by watering it down. The alternative is Australia kind of played hard and fast with that and Australia would often do it. So in practice, you wouldn't know the European language that Australia would give to you on the day. So it's like, all right. Oh, wow. Jeez. So Australia, it actually made it much tougher than studying for the English test. Yeah. Now you've got to study for any number of things you That's don't know. such a dick move. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right. I can see it as well. I can see the people running this course just being like, uh, <laughs> you're not coming into my country. Yeah. <laughs> Today I feel Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A bit of Icelandic. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> so there's, there's that one. Um, they also did other things like Barton put a bounty on sugar grown by white labor. So if you could prove that you didn't use Pacific Islanders in your sugar production, the government would buy that sugar at an increased premium. So they did all sorts of other stuff. The other big policy that Barton passed was the High Court, basically setting up the High Court. Bit of a John Barilaro move, as you might be able to guess where Barton goes once he leaves the Prime Minister's office. New York. <laughs> Does he? The High Court was what. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing that he set up was. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not, sorry, not, sorry. I was like, but I, did I get it right? Did, is that what you were going? The for? logic, the logic, yeah, was the right. logic. <laughs> <laughs> Points for working out. <laughs> now, as Barton's kind of again, he's the legal mind. He wrote the Constitution. He's thinking, okay, how can we set up all of, like, what are the different courts that we can set up to take all the different things? And he proposes a bill called the Conciliation and Arbitration Bill, which is basically setting up the Fair Work Commission in its earliest form, like a court that deals specifically with workers' rights and working workers being mistreated. The issue was, was that the protectionists are governing in coalition with Labor. That's, again, those two are working together. Labor actually pushes Barton much further than he's willing to go. And Labor says, make sure that this bill covers the workers for the states. So if you work for New South Wales Rail, make sure that they can also take the state government to this court. Barton's like, oh, I'm kind of like the premiers are my boys here. Mm. I don't want to put them in that situation. And they come to a bit of a, a bit of a tense standoff. Barton can't get the deal done. He can't get Brexit done. Mm. And he resigns. Oh, good. Rage quit. And yeah, this is, and this is the thing I also love about early 1900s culture. It was much more of a like culture of, oh, well, I made one slight mistake. Like, no question. I've got to resign. Yeah. <laughs> it's the honourable thing to like, do. Do you remember that clip a few years ago of the 
like in the House of Lords or something. The yeah, guy's yeah. like, sorry for being three minutes late. I quit. <laughs> it was a... No! <laughs> it was a minor discourtesy. One. <laughs> and that's the way it should be. I think that guy had it right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, what? There wasn't the sort of like career politicians that you have today, right? Are you saying that people would would just quit when they couldn't achieve what they'd... Yeah, pretty much. What they'd envisioned, Yeah. Like Ben Chifley was a train driver before he was a again. That's his. It's going into the forties. He was a mm. train driver before he got involved in politics. It was yeah. The career politician wasn't really a thing until Menzies. And so you tell me he didn't go to the University of Sydney and join the, <laughs> the young protectionists. <laughs> How can you possibly get into politics? <laughs> I mean, like, I would say, can you imagine what a young free trader would be like? But in my head, like, that's basically a young liberal. Like, I can't yeah. see any distinction mm. between. But anyway. Um, so Barton resigns and so a new guy called Alfred Deakin comes in I don't know if you remember him on the chart of Deakin University Deakin University mm. is named after him there you go Victorian dude interestingly there's a slight anecdote when he was in Victorian Parliament his maiden speech was also his resignation speech because <laughs> there was like doubt over the kind of fairness of the electoral process and so uh, he resigned like a- is that like a Malmeninga kind of like, political <laughs> foray? <laughs> oh, that's dead. I, I need to rewatch that video again. <laughs> and so Deacon comes in as the as the new prime minister, a Victorian dude, but Deacon also can't get Brexit done, and he can't actually negotiate with Labor because he's not willing to compromise either. And so his strategy is to wait until the election in 1903. And he's basically hoping to show everyone, hey, coalition government kind of sucks because we can't get done what we want to get done. All of you who vote Labor, you're actually going to vote protectionist if you want to see this bill get through. And that's kind of what he's banking on. We go to the 1903 election. In fact, Labor's vote increases and effectively it's a three-way tie. The Labor protectionists and the free traders have roughly similar. They're they're all in the 20s and it's like, yeah, it's, it's basically a Mexican standoff between these three parties. It's kind of like in Cars. You know how there's a three-way tie at the beginning <laughs> of the Cars <laughs> film? And Lightning McQueen. Yeah. yeah. I, I see the parallels. I haven't <laughs> seen Cars since I saw it in the cinemas. No way. Yeah, I got a I got a Brett Stewart in the footy Tarzos on the way in, so I was just buzzing that. I couldn't really wow. focus on the movie, <laughs> yeah. so I was just buzzing that I got a Brett Stewart oh. in the footy Tarzos before. <laughs> Such like a quintessential a 2000s kind of story. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic opening scene and also just a great finish. Mm. Which was the three-way tie, right? Well, no, well, the, no the, it starts off with the three-way tie um. and it ends with a great sportsmanship moment is a bad respect okay, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do my homework so it's a three-way tie and deacon's like well that didn't work no like none of us have a majority in their own right two of us are going to have to form a coalition and gang up on the other one so deacon what he does is madness he goes to labor he was like we'll support you in being a coalition government you guys you guys lead it we'll back you up and we're here to stand by your side as you lead the nation and so Labor actually becomes the governing party, mm-hmm. the smallest of the three, led by a guy called Chris Watson. They're the first national Labor government in the world, so the first government that's accountable to unions. Anyway, Deacon's like, yeah, we'll back you up. And then every time Labor tries to pass a bill, he's like, nah. Oh. <laughs> it's just like, no, we're not going to back you up. The quote that he used, it was the 1903-1904 ashes at the time. 
And basically he was like, you can't have three 11s playing cricket. No. You can only have two. <laughs> I feel like in the high that school PE, be. we pulled off a three-way cricket. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically he goes to Chris Watson, like, yeah, you're in charge. And then at every move Watson tries to do, Deacon just blocks him. <laughs> anyway, on top of that, Deacon then goes, hey, Chris Watson, I'm going to now just go side with the free traders and make them the government. And basically what he's trying to do is he's just trying to intentionally be a jerk to show how easy, like, he's like, it's easy to throw stones by being the smaller party. If you actually want to get stuff done, you've got to side with us on stuff. And so he's just basically acting like a jerk to make a statement here. So he goes to Labour and he's like, yeah, we'll back you up. He doesn't back them up at all and just mm. leaders them at every chance. Then goes, you know what, Chris Watson, here's the middle finger. I'm going to go side with George Reid. And now he makes George Reid the Prime Minister. And so Deacon's just an absolute kingmaker because he, because he couldn't get done what he wanted to get done. He just waves his wand and makes random guys the Prime Minister. <laughs> now, George Reid, leader of the Free Traders. Apparently, according to some, at the time, he was the best orator in the empire. Wow. That's something. Yes. He was quite a large guy. And it was a heckler that kind of said, like, when's the baby due? Mm. And apparently, I'm just kind of, this is the quote that was recorded at the time. Yep. yep. If it's a boy, I'll name him George. If it's a girl, I'll name him Victoria. But if, like I suspect, it's nothing but, pardon the language here, but piss and wind, I'll name him after you. (laughs) (laughs) Real 1900s burn there. (laughs) I like the crowds going like, oh, shut down. (laughs) But like we just lost. What the hell? We just lost that. (laughs) Impromptu speeches don't teach you that anymore. (laughs) I mean, we've we've had invertebrate jellies, to be fair. I mean, the art is not lost. (laughs) Yeah, Australia, it's really devolved. Like Malcolm Turnbull, there was Malcolm Turnbull's like shot on Bill Shorten. Like, he's a sycophant. He, Mm. like politics of envy. But it doesn't hit and like anything. So apparently George Reid, like Churchill actually, because Churchill came later, studied George Reid's oratory. Wow. And it kind of looks like Churchill as well a little bit. And so this guy, basically, according to everyone that was kind of in his inner circle, he knew that he was on a very limited lifespan and he knew that Deacon was just going to pull the rug out from underneath him at any moment. So he was basically, his attitude was, might as well have a laugh here. (laughs) And apparently he just like had a lot of fun as prime minister and didn't really get much done, except he was the one that actually passed the conciliation and arbitration bill. Because the protectionists and free traders were like, yeah, Stuff the state railway workers where like who cares about them and they passed the bill without that stipulation and so he was the one that got that one done he also wanted to move the capital because Canberra doesn't exist yet Canberra is like a 1920s development uh, it's after World War One mm-hmm. so Victoria is where Parliament House is at this point in history Melbourne they got to decide really yeah how did it end up down there because like- New South Wales got the Prime Minister. Oh, uh, that was... And the, Melbourne the was also just a better planned out town, whereas... Because Melbourne was planned from the beginning, yeah. whereas mm. New South Wales was just reactive. I will expand a bit here. Yeah. Bit over here. Mm-hmm. Bit over here. <laughs> oh, we're in Cronulla. Wow. Um, and so, basically, he's like, all right, guys, I've got, I've got a cracking idea here. We're going to create a new capital. We're going to call it Dalgetty. Dalgetty is really southern New South Wales. Yeah. It's... Yeah approximately halfway between Victoria or between Melbourne and Sydney. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's kind of the logic behind it. It's a halfway point. 
There are currently, I think, if I'm not mistaken, about 600 people that live in Dalgetty today. Mm. Man. What could have been? Yeah. (laughs) And so, like, pretty much whenever anyone... I've read the Google reviews for the town. Whenever anyone (laughs) comes through Dalgetty, pretty much everyone's like, hey, hey, we... We could have been the capital. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been us. We could have been Canberra. Oh, we could have yeah. had the, like the Dalgetty Raiders or <laughs> yeah, I Dalgetty that- Questacon. <laughs> yeah. I do think that often how like it was the first fleet obviously pulled into Botany Bay before Port Jackson, and I was like, wow, I could be in the CBD. <laughs> oh yeah, true. Hey, yeah, I was. That was that was lost on me as a child. I. By virtue of living in living in Sydney hmm. and not only living in Sydney, like we're from the Sutherland Shire, so if we go to Cornell, we get access to Botany Bay. I was just yep. used to being the geographical centre of the nation, yeah. <laughs> like, as is. <laughs> and once I'm older, I'm like, hold, like just at, we're at a, I was at a, like wedding photos in Cornell. I stopped and like, Captain Cook actually sailed like 100 metres away from where we're standing mm. right now. Yeah. That's mad. I was a bit starstruck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I often like, oh, I was like, oh, I'd kind of love to see this place before. It's relatively untouched, but there's a, like there's an oil refinery there now, right? And, yeah. Or not an oil, an old oil refinery. Yeah. Like yeah. Desal- and a desalination plant. plant. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that as well. Yeah. And like the other thing I remember I was, I was at La Perouse, so Botany Bay, you've got Canoa yeah. on one side, La Perouse on the other side of Botany mm. Bay. And I remember, like, just kind of sitting there. Firstly, being like, wow, Tom yeah. Cruise filled Mission Impossible here. That's a bit of... <laughs> my French teacher told me that one. Secondly, like, because we went there for a French excursion and our French teacher told us about how the French came two weeks later into... Yeah, yeah, and that's why it's about called, That's why it's called La Perouse. That's a crazy story. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's, in, that's insane as well. Like, mm. you just... like for the, And that was just total chance, right? That yeah. was just, like, <laughs> just um, all of history and the exploration kind of arrived two weeks apart yeah yeah and it just that's like, so tough but that's just, after um <laughs> just after the buzzer shot goes in <laughs> like, that was with the same time as as cook though right not the first fleet yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um yeah yeah cook and so mm. then, then the french were like ah, whatever this place is gone let's go yeah. to i kind of just want to know what really happened as well yeah like but i just like just how wild for the indigenous people like yeah. Ruse, they would watching like, what the heck's going yeah. on yeah like, again, and again, because it's a culture that preserves oral tradition really well. Yeah. It's like not just in, in their lifetime they've got to go off. They've got stories from like, what, dating back. I know they're a 40, 60,000 year old civilization. But yeah. yeah, in the tens of thousands of years BC was when they've got their tradition and stories from. Mm. None of this has <laughs> UFOs rocking out. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. like aliens that speak diff- two different languages. Get, it's just wild. Um, so, so Dalgetty was supposed to be the capital and the plan was to build Dalgetty as the capital. Eventually a later prime minister will come on to them in a couple of weeks or whenever we get round to it. A later prime minister was like, ah, nah, this place is kind of a flop. Let's (laughs) let's go to the Yas Canberra area and make it Canberra. Hmm. So George Reid, he was basically like, okay, we're in trouble here. I know I don't have very long. What are my options here? How can I stay in office? Why don't we try good old red scare tactics and let's promote the theory of communism. Mm. Again, the Russians have not fallen to communism yet. So 
this is pre-Russian revolution. No European country has gone communist, but mm. Marx's ideas and Engels' ideas are out there and there's a lot of sympathy towards communism. And he does the good old strategy of Labour's... Because Labour has the colour red, communists have the colour red, mm. Labour are communists. Again, Labour need to change their colour. Just, <laughs> just make, it, make it yellow or something. It's like purple. Purple, like, yeah. Um, it takes a lot of the ammo away from um, the opposition, but kind of tries good old red scare tactics and it doesn't work. Deacon then goes to Chris Watson. So he goes back to Labour hmm. and he's like, all right, you've seen, you've seen that it doesn't really, if you're just going to be a jerk, you can kind of see that it doesn't really work because I was just doing what you were doing. Come back and let's, let's start this over again. I'll be the prime minister. You be the like coalition, like sidekick and we'll work together and we'll get it done. And Watson goes for it. And Deacon, at the end of the whole cycle, returns as Prime Minister. Absolutely white. Like, again, if yeah. everyone that's like, oh, yeah, this is, we federated and then some old white guys just kind of, like, did their thing for 10 years. Well, it's a pretty wild story. Mm. Like, I reckon that beats the 2018 Lib spill <laughs> by a mile. I reckon that beats Rod Gillard in terms of drama by a mile. And so... You have Deacon who's back as Prime Minister. That's only the first half of Deacon's story. The second half is even more wild. But we'll save that for another day because we, we're 47 minutes into the podcast now. But you end with protectionists and Labor governing in coalition together. If you can see where the... T- I don't know if you can see where the tide's going. The Liberal Party's nowhere in the story yet. Mm. And certainly the Greens don't come to like, yeah, much, much, much later. The Liberal Party... It goes through a couple of different rebrands. Eventually what happens is Labor gets so strong and they pick up so many votes. So Chris Watson goes because he's, he's seen as a weak operator at the top and this new guy called Andrew Fisher comes in. And do you remember him on the on the wall? No, He has really. the best moustache of every... So okay. like he's got the giant twirly moustache uh, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Andrew Fisher was a pretty rock solid leader and he didn't take anything from Deacon and basically increased Labor's like voting base massively. Eventually the protectionists are kind of, and the free traders are like, we need to go back into coalition and the two of us need to kind of get on again. And they kind of agree to work together, but rather than being coalition, they need to merge their parties together. And initially they call it the fusion party. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. (laughs) Doesn't quite, I don't know, I, yeah, in the 18, no, oh, sorry, the 1900s, doesn't quite have the branding. That, if today, if you call it a fusion party today, would get today, the youth would be all you, would, you would win Cronulla's vote <laughs> massively. Um, yeah, yeah, for anyone who wants to challenge, if Morrison does step down and we do have a by election in Cook, um, create the fusion party, the maybe. fusion party, and you know, maybe there's bring a, back fusion yeah. as well. I think fusion's <laughs> closed there's down, of, so. um, there's a lot of sympathy to bring back. Fusion. Yeah, um, it was a real uh, nightclub. Real victim of COVID. Disgusting <laughs> place. Oh, yeah. Never <laughs> want to step from that place. <laughs> yeah, big time. And so they're like, okay, Fusion Party doesn't really work. Let's call ourselves the Liberal Party. Hmm. And that is how we get the Liberal Party. Um, but as we're going to we'll explore it in future podcasts, the Liberals then go through like five other different rebrands to end up back at the Liberals. So hmm. Menzies... Like eventually is like, let's go back to what Deacon, Deacon, Deacon had the yeah. right idea with the Liberal Party. But that is the story of Federation in the beginning. 
And again, a lot of people like Australia's national identity came through World War One, and it came through Gallipoli. More Brits actually than Australians died during Gallipoli. And like, yeah, I think I think we were developing a national identity from the 1900s onwards. And it was wild. Like the Boxer Rebellion was going on in China and kind of we had a small involvement in that. There was the Boer War in South Africa. We made an involvement in that. Like we, we participated in these wars beforehand and we yeah. kind of have these leaders. And yeah, Barton would end up becoming a really important chief justice of the high court. And for the early 1900s, that was how Australia looked. And yet in year six, when they get you to do an assignment on Edmund Barton, mm. I made Josh is like, this guy's in black and white. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Origins. <laughs> Just like, I don't know. It's, it's better than Survivor. Like, it's <laughs> something better than recent seasons of Survivor. Um, That's where they got the idea. Yeah. <laughs> and it was in the era of, like, loose party discipline as well. So, Labour and Liberal vote in unity on anything except conscience vote issues pretty much so party discipline is high but back then party discipline was really like you could you could go against your own party if you wanted to Hmm. and again it's like the backstabbing and the alliances and the like the blind sides yeah someone is someone is to write yeah uh, write a a stand show four part part channel nine drama surely I mean, if they they, they call it they call it origin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, could you imagine the the opening monologue yeah. from Gus? <laughs> Who does Lockie State pay? <laughs> state against state. <laughs> yeah, Lloyd Lewis is starting to play. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Just like what about yeah? What about Rhonda from the? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, John you know, Howard, not Prime Minister John Howard. The other John Howard's got to play something as well. Wait, who's the other John Howard? The like Australian actor that was in like everything. Oh, right. Um, but yeah, just, again, like <laughs> Gus Gould could nail like Alfred Deacon. His maiden speech was his resignation speech. Like, <laughs> oh, anyway, this is politics. <laughs> Federation's not boring. We might have misled you with the title, but I if you suck around this far, I'm hoping to see what we've seen, or at least what I've seen in mm. early Federation. Mm. 